from Beacon Point, this is Dollars and Cents, a really great podcast about money. Co-host and certified financial planners, Kobe Cress and Karen Reifel, help listeners navigate various life moments and major life events through the lens of personal finance. Contrary to popular belief, these money conversations are not boring. Prepare to be informed and entertained. Beacon Point podcasts contain opinions of Beacon Point and are subject to change. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. And the listener should understand that investing includes risks, such as risk of investments and principal. Please contact your Beacon Point advisor if you have any questions. Welcome back to another episode of Dollars and Cents, a really great podcast about money. And today is an episode I am very excited about. And listeners who know me uh, will understand why. But I'm here. As always, with Karen Reifel. Hey, Karen. Hey, Kobe. How you doing? I am doing great, and I'm excited about today's topic, like I just said. So I think it'll be a great episode, and it's a Friday, so we're headed into the weekend, and I'm always excited about that. It is a Friday, and we're getting close to summer, so very good. It's a good day. It's a good day yeah. to be a Friday. It's true. Now, the summer comment, the only thing I'll add to that is I do live in Arizona, which means the summers are a little daunting. So I'm excited for Friday. I'm less excited for summer, but it'll still be a great weekend. So, uh, and before we get there, we have a lot of great stuff to talk about today. We do. And, you know, we're picking up where we left off um, with our advice through the ages series today, Kobe. And we started with the 20 somethings and we've worked our way all the way up to today's episode, our best advice our best resources, and some easily avoidable missteps for those in their 60s. Kobe, when it comes to working as an advisor, you exude passion for your craft. Our listeners know this about you. Those that work with you see it in you. But I have to say that your level of excitement when preparing for this particular episode was even more elevated. You love the decade that is the 60s. Why is that? I love it. I was going to say, these are my people. Uh, I love this decade. I love the 60s. Uh, well, people in their 60s, I should say, when they're in that decade. Uh, and there's a few reasons for that. I'll, I'll tell you, Karen, um, my practice, my book of business, my clients are primarily retirees. So that's the group of people that I love to work with. That's the type of planning that I love to do. Uh, that's really where I spend most of my time. And one of the things I love about people in their 60s is this is a huge decade, and it's a decade full of opportunity. And from our side of the table, Karen, as planners, as investment advisors, uh, this is really a make or break decade for a number of things. And I'll give you some examples. This is the decade where most people are likely to retire and the decade where they're most likely to position their portfolio to get prepared to retire. This is the decade where... Um, nearly everybody or everybody will apply for Medicaid, uh, Medicare rather. That's important. There's things you need to, um, mistakes you need to avoid when you're doing that. You need to make sure you take care of it. We're going to talk about that. Uh, this is maybe a decade where you're going to apply for social security, or at least you're going to do that planning. Uh, this is a, uh, decade where you're probably going to start planning what your legacy looks like. You need to make sure you have your estate plan in place. You need to stay healthy. All of those are important. And then my favorite topic for this decade is tax planning. I always refer to this decade to my clients as the essential decade, and especially when it comes to tax planning. And we'll explain why uh, as we go a little bit through here, 
But that is why I love this decade. That's why I love this episode. And that's why I'm excited to chat about it today. Karen, is that a good answer? It was a perfect answer. Yes. And listeners, I think you can hear in his voice. It got a little louder as he went on. Um, Very excited to talk about the 60-something. So if you yourself are not 60, please share the episode with someone that is. If you are approaching 60, listen, save it, listen again. Um, If you have any questions or would like any more information for an individual, yourself, family, loved one, uh, planning for the decade that is the 60s, please email us at info at getthesense.com. That's info at getthesense.com. So without further ado, Kobe, what is our best advice for those planning in their 60s? So we're going to start simple and we're going to ramp up in complexity, if you will, although it shouldn't be too complex for listeners out there, but the ideas will get a little bit more complex. But let's start with the absolute basics. Okay. When you're in your 60s, like I said earlier, you're likely moving very rapidly towards retirement. If you have not taken our advice from all of the other advice through the ages uh, episodes we've done so far, and now you've reached your 60s and you still do not have a written financial plan, a written roadmap for where you are, where you're going, and how you're going to get there, now is the time to do it. Do not retire without a written plan in place. Why do we say this? Uh, One of the really important things is you need to have all the pieces of the puzzle together, right? You need to understand how everything works together in retirement. We're going to talk about Social Security today and Medicare today and tax planning today and gifting and legacy and investments. All of those things are encompassed in a financial plan. And if you're making individual decisions about tax planning in your 60s, Without understanding your investment portfolio, when you're going to take Social Security, how RMDs, required minimum distributions, work in your 70s. We'll save that for the next episode. Uh, If you don't understand all of these things, and it's not all in a written plan, you're making individual decisions, you're likely to make mistakes and possibly costly mistakes. I agree with that, Kobe. You make a good point about making individual decisions. Um, And a lot of people may not know that one decision about retirement can affect another decision. And I think one of the best benefits, Kobe, I think you'll agree with me on this one, in developing a plan is to help provide context. Planning provides valuable context around the various choices that we have in retirement. And those choices and decisions are going to look different for for everyone. Um, but the context is still the same and the value from the context. For example, you know, for someone might be, you know, considering working a couple of extra years um, or instead of working a couple of extra years, they may just need to pare back their spending by 500 bucks a month. I'm just making something up here, right? You know, so what is more valuable to you? Would you rather work a couple of extra years or can you easily shave $500 a month off your spending and retire early and do, a, you know, the things that you love for those two years? Or do you want to buy a second home? Um, That might be a goal, but it might put your ability to help grandchildren with their college at risk, or maybe able, you know, maybe you can't contribute to their college as much as you'd like in, you know, in exchange for that second home purchase. So these are all kind of the decisions you think about, you know, what is going to be a 20, 30 year retirement timeframe and the and in really starting to envision your life in this next chapter and the things that you would like to do. That's where planning provides the the biggest benefit is to say, yes, you can do this, but that, or yes, you can do this and that, right? 
So I'm going to, I think that's perfect, Karen. And I'm going to add two things, build on what you said with two things. Uh, the first is I always describe to clients when they're describing to me in this exciting decade, they're likely about to retire. Maybe they've just retired and they start describing to me the future that they envision for themselves and for their families and for those they care about, the causes they want to support, all of these things. And they start asking, can we do this, Kobe? Is this possible? And I always describe to folks that, you know, we can, we can usually make almost anything work in retirement. We just have to know which are the right levers to pull, and we have to understand the trade-offs. And that's what financial planning does, right? If you want to do X, it may require us to make a cut on Y. Do you value X more than you value Y? Do you understand both of them? And then we can make an educated decision. So that is uh, an absolutely essential part of this. And then the second thing that I will add, and then we'll move on. Uh, but the second thing that I will add is that there are all sorts of different types of financial plans. So people will say, Kobe, you say a written financial plan. Well, what does that mean? Let's say uh, you're not working with an advisor at this point, somebody that has the tools to put this together in, a, in, a, in several different ways. This does not have to be something that is put together in, in some kind of software or an Excel spreadsheet. This could be as simple as a one or two page Word document where you've outlined what your goals are, your priorities, what your anticipated um, unknowns are that we need to figure out, uh, what what uh, steps you need to take to get to where you want to go, right? You don't have an estate plan yet. Hey, I'm going to prioritize. I need an estate plan in place. Or you know what? I need to find a CPA. I don't really understand my tax situation at this point. Or hey, maybe I just need to find an advisor to help. That can be a financial plan, at least a starting point. So uh, if you're not sure where to start, just get a piece of paper and start writing down your goals and writing down how you think you're going to get there. There's not a wrong answer here. It's it's the exercise that's more important than the end result, really. It's doing the exercise. So that is our first piece of best advice. Get some kind of written plan in place. Well said, Kobe. And on that note, you had mentioned at the, at the start of the episode, uh, planning around taxes. This is a great decade to be in making some informed tax decisions. And I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, Kobe. I know you want to speak to this. So please tell our listeners the value that can be gained and thinking, starting to think ahead as it relates to taxes in your 60s. Uh, we are touching on my favorite topic here right at the start of the episode, uh, which I'm more than okay with. So nothing breaks my heart more than when I meet somebody who has maybe just turned 71, 72, and they hire me as an advisor. And I look back over the last few years of tax returns, and I realize they have not utilized the tax code as it exists to their best advantage over those years. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, in your 60s, when you retire in particular, you're likely to enter what we call a tax valve. You've been earning income your whole life, you've been saving, and you've probably paid the highest level of taxes uh, towards the end of your career that you've ever paid, right? Because your earnings ramped up over time. Uh, and then all of a sudden you stop working, your income drops off, and this is just kind of a generic case. Obviously, there might be other sources of income out there in retirement, but let's just say a generic case, you stop working, your incomes come cratering off, and all of a sudden you have no income. And you think to yourself, ah, great, well, I don't have to pay any income taxes. And that could be a good strategy, but very likely, you would be better served by doing certain things from a planning standpoint to actually pay some taxes along the way by filling up some lower tax brackets, the 10, the 12, and maybe even some of the 22% tax bracket. So if you uh, get into retirement and all of a sudden you spend a decade not paying any taxes at all, 
you may get into your 70s and realize, oh my goodness, now I have social security that started. Now I have required minimum distributions that have started from my retirement accounts. And all of a sudden I've been ramped back up into higher tax brackets. And I could have done things throughout the last decade to mitigate being driven into higher tax brackets in my 70s, uh, being driven into higher Medicare brackets in my 70s, uh, all of these types of things. So we want to utilize this period where we don't have what I always describe to my clients is forced income. We don't have income that's being paid out to us via a job or via required minimum distributions or, or via uh, Social Security, or maybe it's capital gains. We don't have these sources of income at the same levels as we've had previously. And so we want to utilize those tax brackets efficiently during that time break period. And I will give you a few examples of how we might do that. Kobe, we've both been there. We've worked with that client in their 70s at that point at which they're taking mandatory distributions. Their social security is the highest it will be. Um, They've got portfolio income. All of these, as you said, kind of forced income. And they come to us and say, what can we do? You know, I just feel like I'm paying so much in income tax. And we you know, find ourselves sometimes at a bit of a loss. Oftentimes there's something we can do, little things here and there, but if it's other times, it's just too late. Those prime tax planning and strategic tax planning years are behind you. And there's not much we can do except think, shoot, we wish you had come to us in your 60s. If only we had met earlier, right? That is one of the more heartbreaking conversations I have to have as somebody that loves this type of planning. And as we've said several times, loves this decade in particular for clients. I am always heartbroken when a client comes to me and, and we say, you know, there's just not much we can do. And, and I'll give you a couple examples here of why we focus in the 60s before the 70s, why we focus while you're in your 60s on tax planning. Like I said, your income is probably low. But remember, in your 70s, you're, you're going to have started Social Security if you have a benefit, because the latest you can take that is at age 70. And then as of now, depending on your age, you're likely to have to start taking money out of your IRA. And it's roughly about 4%. It's not the exact number, but it's roughly about 4% in the first year you turn 73. There are some other rules and workarounds here, but we're just going to keep it really basic. So when you turn 73 now, you have to start taking required minimum distributions from your IRA accounts. That's going to be income to you. And I'll give you an example of if you waste kind of this decade, and then you have all this income pushed to you in the next decade, um, well, there is a threshold for modified adjusted gross income, where if you have too much income in a given year, two years in the future, your Medicare premiums are going to go up. For 2024, your Medicare premiums go up by $78 a month if you have more than $194,000 of modified adjusted gross income. Okay, so if you if you are in your 70s now and you have Social Security, you have required minimum distributions, and maybe you had capital gains, dividends, and interest that that amounted to $194,001 of modified adjusted gross income, you will be paying higher Medicare premiums, and there is nothing we can do about it. However, if we'd have done something like a Roth conversion and filled some lower tax brackets up in uh, your 60s before you got to your 70s, we may have been able to drive that required minimum distribution down low enough, or maybe you come below that threshold more consistently, and we're not paying these extra Medicare premiums that we really didn't need to pay. So this is why we focus so much on uh, tax planning in this decade. Uh, it's important, and there's a lot of tools available to us. We can't cover them all today. We have covered them in previous episodes. So if you go back and listen to some of our episodes on tax planning, uh, but uh, it's important. That's it's a great point. And on the point of Medicare, this is also the decade in which you will have to apply for a Medicare. Um, and 
not just apply, but apply on time. And this is really important because the cost of Medicare can be permanently higher for life if Medicare is not applied for on time. So, um, for example, I mean, Part B premiums can increase by 10% for each year that you delay on time. So what is on time? So Medicare open enrollment starts the three months before your 65th birthday. So 65th birthday minus three months, and it lasts for seven months, okay? That is the typical open enrollment window. If you have health insurance, there's a big caveat to this, if you have qualified health insurance through you or your spouse's employer, you may be eligible for what's known as a special enrollment period, which is eight months after this coverage ends. So qualified coverage ends, you have eight months from there to apply for Medicare under a special enrollment period. But the, the caveat and the caution here, listeners, is that not all employer coverage is eligible for this special enrollment. So make sure to confirm if you don't know, and even if you think you know, just confirm with your employer that it is eligible coverage before thinking that you can delay your enrollment for Medicare. And if you're on COBRA, your enrollment will not be special. So mark your calendars for three months before your 65th birthday, or better yet, work with an advisor that will mark their calendar for three months before your 65th birthday and put you in touch with a Medicare specialist that can help you shop for the appropriate coverage for you at age 65. Karen, absolutely essential. And I'll add, uh, once again, two things to what you just said. Uh, I'm going to build on the Medicare specialist. I can't recommend this enough. Uh, Don't try to do this yourself. If you don't have a Medicare specialist that you like, reach out to us, reach out to your advisor, go online and and find somebody if that's what you're more comfortable with. Because A, as far as I'm aware of, for almost all Medicare specialists, it doesn't cost you a dime extra to work with a specialist as opposed to just doing it yourself. And they have a lot of tools available to them that are not available to you. Uh, They're paid by the insurance companies. Like a travel agent, for those of you who remember travel agents, like a travel agent was paid by the travel agency, not by, you didn't pay extra for your travel agent when you were booking trips through a travel I, I think travel agents are coming back. I've heard. I, I hope so. I, 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 I always like working with a travel agent. It, it takes a lot of the stress off. I know that it's easy, but I'm always worried that I've gotten a connecting flight wrong or something. My whole family would be standing on the curb with our luggage in the rain like a sad movie. And it's all because dad didn't use the travel agent. So I'm with you. I hope they're coming back. Uh, and if they are not, I will tell you that Medicare specialists are probably not going anywhere for a time though. So (laughs) unlike travel agents, they're, uh, they're still out there and they are a a big, big help. So, uh, absolutely make sure that you work with a Medicare specialist. And the last thing I'll tell you, one of the other reasons that I love this decade is that there is a type of Medicare planning that we call bridging the gap, which means what happens if you retire at 62 and you don't start Medicare until 65? And you need insurance during those years. Do you use COBRA? Do you go out in the marketplace and get a plan? What do you do? Uh, that's a type of planning that your advisor can help with and a Medicare specialist and health insurance specialist can help with. Uh, and it's just another thing that has to be tackled during this decade. Great advice. Great advice. Okay, so uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode as well that we were going to talk about investments. So here we are. Kobe, what is important for 60-somethings to start thinking about as it relates to their investments? I mean, 
I say what as if it's only one thing, but I know there are many things. So please share with us what you believe are the most important, what we believe are the most important things to start thinking about. So we talked about this a little bit in the 50s episode, which is you don't want to get too conservative too soon in your 50s. But in your 60s, as you start ramping up towards retirement, it's time to make a plan that involves your investment portfolio for retirement. And I always tell my clients kind of two things. One of those things, and and any of my clients out there uh, listening have probably heard me say this, especially if they're in this decade, is that a distribution portfolio, a portfolio you're going to live off of, is a different portfolio than an accumulation portfolio. Okay, And the reason behind that, we won't get into the too nitty gritty today, but the reason I say that is because what is known as sequence of return risk is a lot higher once you're in retirement and living off your portfolio. A few bad years at the beginning of retirement when you weren't prepared for it and you didn't have money set aside in specific types of investments or cash to get you through those first couple of years of retirement. And, and, and thus you're out and out having to sell maybe equities like in a year like last year early in retirement is a lot more detrimental than it is if it happens really late in retirement. Okay, so those early years are important and a distribution portfolio is different than accumulation portfolio. Uh, volatility, sequence of return matters a great deal more. For a lot of clients, an effective approach to managing this risk is to create what Eric Newby in the uh, Scottsdale uh, Beacon Point office uh, does very well and explains very well what he calls a retirement runway, which is having specific assets that are earmarked and they're laddered in such a way that you are prepared to fund your first few years of retirement really regardless of what markets do. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to take three years and uh, of living expenses and just place it in cash, but maybe this is something like a, a short duration bond fund ladder where you're gonna have bonds that mature every year at, at, during your retirement, those first couple of years, and they're high, high quality and you can rely on them uh, and, and they're gonna mature just in time for you to then use that money to live on for the first couple of years, just to make sure you get through those first couple of years when that sequence of return risk is really high. You're touching on uh, a concept that we reinforce with clients often, Kobe, which is uh, you don't spend all of your retirement resources the day you retire, right? We've worked with many clients who are approaching retirement in their 60s and say to us, how many times have you heard, Kobe? I don't have the time, right? I'm concerned about the markets. I don't have the time to recover if the market goes down. Um, and there's a tendency to want to get more conservative with the entire retirement nest egg. And while we agree with that approach for a certain amount of money, the money that you need in the shorter term, it does make sense to be a little bit more conservative with that bucket, right? And everyone's situation is different, but generally speaking, we find it works for a lot of client scenarios to determine what you need and when you need it and to be a little more conservative with those earlier retirement year resources, But the reality of it is for our clients, we're planning for a 20 plus year retirement, right? And so I like to tell my clients, if we were having this conversation 20 years ago, would you still feel as conservative about your investments? You know, and the answer is always, well, no. And the reality is there's a long runway, a a long timeframe for a large portion of retirement assets. We just have to identify what portion that is, and we can then be comfortable taking more risk 
with the longer term portion of the of, of the portfolio. Um, we refer to that as the bucket approach, right? Like what is needed in the short term bucket? What's in the intermediate term bucket? And then what is this long term money that I'm not even going to touch? And that provides a tremendous amount of um, peace of mind when the market gets sticky. And we say, yes, these particular types of investments, I'll pick on international stocks, even though we like international stocks as of today, and we generally always do, but there's a case for investing in international today on June 2023, listeners. We may feel differently in a future episode, but you know, if we see that international stocks are particularly volatile, but we have, you know, a fraction of the portfolio invested in international, it's easy for us to say, yes, this piece is you know, uh, underperforming the broader portfolio, but this is for an amount of money you're not going to touch for 10 years, right? This is long-term money and clients kind of say, oh, well, I didn't think of it like that. But when you put it, when you compartmentalize it out there for me, it becomes, you know, an easier conversation to have. Could not agree more. I think being able to articulate that type of strategy and maybe this is something that you've written down on that written plan we talked about, uh, gives a lot of peace of mind when you have a year like last year. And you're exactly right. We hear so often, I don't have time to have that kind of market decline again. Uh, and if this is somebody in their 60s, they have really all the time in the world as long as they have the right plan in place. And what they don't have the ability to do is be too conservative and then be able to fund their lifestyle for 30 plus years in retirement if you're in your 60s. That's a much greater risk than some short-term volatility as long as you have the right plan in place and the right portfolio and maybe the right team in place. You can weather that all day long. But if you're if you're if you're so nervous about any kind of portfolio declines and you don't really have confidence in your portfolio and the way it's structured, you may not get the growth you need to fund your life for 30 years and that's a much bigger risk. So, um Hence, there's so many great things to tackle in the decades that is your 60s. Uh, that's why we're having this episode, and that's why I'm so passionate about it. So we've got one more easy tip for listeners, probably the easiest tip of all, and then we'll move on to our best resources and avoidable missteps, easily avoidable missteps. So Kobe, what's the easiest tip for those planning for retirement in their 60s? The easiest step is consolidate your accounts to make your life easier. Likely. When you get to your 60s and you get to retirement, you might have an old 401k from that that first job you had a long time ago that you've just kind of let there and, and let it sit and let it ride all these years. You might have IRAs. You might be using uh, several different custodians, Schwab, and then maybe also Fidelity. And maybe you have something at your bank uh, and you have all these pieces of puzzle all over the place. First of all, going back to our first point, this is where a written plan helps because it helps you keep track of everything. Uh, but on top of that, Trying to manage a whole bunch of different account types at a whole bunch of different locations can make your life miserable. A lot of people think of this as just another level of diversification. And I guess you could make that case. Yes, you have diversification across several different custodians, but it's diversification that actually makes your life worse and probably makes your overall plan less effective. Consolidate your accounts, make your life easier, bring them all to one location where you can see them, where you can invest them with a unified strategy. Uh, it, it will make things a lot better. We do see from clients at times that they like this idea of, I have multiple financial advisors and I have multiple custodians. And really what you end up is the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and everybody's kind of stumbling around in the dark. That's not a good strategy. 
pick a place you like, pick an advisor you like if you're working with multiple advisors uh, that you have faith in that can give you the confidence to get through this decade and your retirement and and get everybody rowing in the same direction. Work with one advisor, work in one custodian. It will make your life a lot easier. Yeah, you you use the term miserable and I don't know how miserable it might be, but it can definitely be misaligned, right? Mm, you risk misaligning your decisions for optimal strategizing, right? And I think that's where, um, you know, just consolidating and you can be more agile, you can make decisions faster, you can make better informed decisions faster when somebody can see everything under one roof, to your point. What did you say? Everyone's rowing in the same direction? Everybody's rowing in the same direction. Yes. Love Love it. Yes. Kobe, what are our best resources for those planning in their 60s? So when we were talking about preparing this episode... Karen, you, you said, you know, I think in here, we we, we kind of tell people, hey, set the financial books aside and uh, work with an advisor. And my immediate reaction for anybody that listens to this podcast and knows that I have a deep love of books, my immediate reaction was, are you crazy, Karen? Set the books aside? Never set the books aside. Get all of the books. Uh, that is always my advice uh, to individuals. However, you are not wrong. Uh, this is a time where a little bit more hands-on action, if you need help taking action, uh, is more important than just the finance books. Although I'll give you a couple uh, good finance books uh, to, uh, and, and some good authors uh, that are helpful if you're trying to do this by yourself. Uh, however, to your point, Karen, I think your best resource in retirement is going to be an advisor. It, it just is. There are too many complex things that need to be pulled together uh, in your early retirement years, this uh, decade in particular, that working with an advisor is going to give you the best results, right? If you're trying to do the tax planning piece and you're trying to coordinate it with your CPA and you're also trying to find your own attorney to get your estate plan and you're trying to come up with an income plan and you're trying to make a written financial plan, all of these things are things that you hire an, an advisor and they handle that for you. Uh, it makes your life a lot better. And then instead of doing all that, you go play golf or you go travel or you go uh, on vacation with your family, whatever it is uh, instead. So that is good advice. I guess what we're trying to say also is let's set the general finance principles, those general rules of thumb aside in exchange for some one-on-one customized analysis of your personal and long-term financial situation. Yeah, let's get personal and customized. It's time. Couldn't agree more. If you do want a book, because everybody knows I'm usually good for a book, uh, Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth by Nick Murray is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, It's certainly worth a read. Uh, And then on top of that, oh, Karen is reminding me, and she's exactly right. Here's a book that is a bit off topic from a finance, but is essential in this decade of life. Because I mentioned earlier, staying healthy as a goal. Uh, If you go back and listen to the beginning, I touched on it briefly. And a book that is so essential to living a healthy, uh, long retirement is a book called Outlive by Peter Atia, who's a doctor. Uh, and he's pretty popular right now, but his book is absolutely excellent. And it's the idea of lifespan and health span. Uh, how do we extend our lifespan? But more importantly, how do we extend the amount of time in our life that we live a healthy life so that we can actually enjoy those later years of retirement and life? Uh, the book is Outlive by Peter Atia. The finance book, and it's more of a health book, the finance book uh, that I recommend is Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth which uh, by Nick Murray, which will help you avoid 
some mistakes. If you want to get a little bit more technical for a few of those out there, uh, uh, listeners out there who like to do it yourself, you're kind of a do-it-yourselfer and you like technical, that that book or any book by Wade Fowl would be a great uh, direction to go. But I warn you, those are pretty heavy books, but they're good for those planning their own retirement. And listeners, for those that are looking for a summary of our best advice for the 60-somethings, uh, please refer to a link in our show, no- show notes. We'll include a link to our Planning Through the Decades 60-somethings. Uh, again, link in show notes for that. And then also, just a favorite of ours, one more tip for retirees is Devin Carroll. Can't forget Devin Carroll, social security expert, YouTube channel, subscribe. If you're interested about the ins and outs of social security or just have any general questions, if not too detailed, Devin's just a great resource, really likable, very knowledgeable, and has a really great way of making what is a very complicated system easy to understand. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely excellent uh, resource. And his YouTube channel, uh, channel is... there's. There are countless videos on almost every social security topic. So even if you have something a little obscure that you're trying to figure out, uh, you can always talk to SSA, Social Security Administration, but Devin Carroll's a great place to start. Great. And avoidable missteps. What are a couple of easy things that our listeners can avoid in their 60s or even just retirement long-term? So we're going to give two here uh, and we'll make them quick. We just talked about Devin Carroll and Social Security. One of the mistakes we see a lot is maybe a misunderstanding of what Social Security is actually intended for, and therefore clients at times take it too early. Now, it could make sense for you, individual listener, to take it at, let's say, 62, the earliest you can take it. However, generally speaking, delaying Social Security is going to be beneficial because remember, Social Security is insurance against outliving your money. That's what it's there for, okay? Um, And so we want to maximize it as best we can. And a lot of folks take it too early for all sorts of reasons. They don't maybe understand the the ways at which it is maximized by delaying. Maybe they underestimate how long they're likely to live. All sorts of things come into play here. But delaying it uh, until either full retirement age or even age 70 can really, really increase your benefit up to 124% increase in benefit. So it's very um, important to do the planning, do the work, and make sure you understand why and when you're taking Social Security. Yeah, and not just an increase from 67 to 70. You're paid to wait. The administration pays you to wait to defer collecting to the latest age, which is 70. But also all future cost of living adjustments, those inflation protectors, um, become larger if they start on a smaller base, right? 2% of $3,000 is less than 2% on $3,200, right? And it compounds from there with every year that the, the administration increases your benefit for inflation. What did Warren Buffett call compound interest? I think he called it the eighth wonder of the world. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. So uh, you're exactly right. Allowing that money to compound makes a big difference. And then here's the other mistake, avoidable misstep that uh, we'll leave you with today, which is when you're doing that, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. We're going to bring it full circle here, Karen. We talked to our first uh, step piece of advice was a written plan. In that written plan, you want to make sure you have a very good understanding of what your expenses 
actually are. Because what you want to avoid is cutting it too close when it comes to your lifestyle and the amount of money that you can take out of your portfolio to live on and your other income sources. Um, if you forget things like car purchases, home repairs, maybe weddings or vacations, um, all of these types of things, and then you're continually surprised by big expenses, that may really affect that retirement runway from an income planning standpoint. It may require you to take money out of your portfolio at inopportune moments. So just make sure you've accounted for the big expenses in life, not just your day-to-day expenses, but the big expenses that are almost guaranteed to come up. I, I do want to just clarify that it's not possible to pr- to predict every expense that might come up, right? And so I think that's where the use of a planner comes in to help you, to give you a nudge, right? Say, thank you for giving me all of your expenses. I see you have two daughters that are adult daughters, you know, should we be considering special events like weddings for them, right? Oh, yeah, wow. I didn't even think of that, right? These little things. So your advisor will help kind of nudge you in the direction. If we see very common expenses that may not have been included in your first run draft of your long-term spending. And so we'll add them in and talk about that. You know, I, I tell my clients, it's not so much about the timing. You don't have to get the exact timing down as it is just making room in the budget for it. And then also not cutting it too close, leaving room in the budget for, um, other thing, not even in the budget, but in the planning, right? Not cutting the plan success rate so close that if there is, you know, that new roof or some major expense that comes up that you weren't expecting or just maybe forgot about, um, we can, there's room, there's, there's a buffer there. And that's, that's an art that, that a good planner will, will help you do. There you have it, listeners. My favorite decade, the 60s, planning through the 60s. I can't promise, I will bring passion to our next episode, but I can't promise you I'll bring the same level of passion uh, because this is my favorite decade of planning. If you need help, if you have questions, as always, send us a note, info at getthesense.com. We're more than happy to help. Uh, if you are already working with an advisor and um, some things that we talked about today really resonated, make sure you bring them up with your advisor. Make sure you feel comfortable about your retirement plan going forward, that you're tackling all the things that you should. And Karen, until next time, Until next time. We'll see you guys again soon. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Get The Sense and online at beaconpoint.com. That's point with an E. Be sure to check back regularly for new episodes. Until next time, keep your dollars and we'll keep our cents. Important disclosure. This recording is for informational purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice. Beacon Point has exercised all reasonable professional care in preparing this information. Any information that has been obtained from third-party sources is believed to be reliable. However, Beacon Point has not independently verified or attested to the accuracy or authenticity of the information. Nothing contained herein should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, or tax advice, nor should it be relied upon as personalized investment advice or be considered as an individualized recommendation, offer, or solicitation. All investments involve risks, including the loss of principal. Investors should consult with their financial professional before making any investment decisions. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results.